Hi, Sky Brooks with Jenny and Cass, and we will be taking a look and bringing up in our conversations along with the book, Darwin's Doubt by Stephen Myers. He brings to the forefront undeniable truths. After all, isn't that what we're all looking for? And maybe just a few other quick notes. Hope you stick around. See you in just a few. Hi, this is Guy Brooks. Jenny and Cass, are you both ready to do this? Hello, Sky. Let's do this. Yes, Sky and Jenny, I'm ready as ever. Let's do this. Okay, great. I'm glad you both could be here and make it. I know that you're just as busy as anyone else, so thanks. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this book, Darwin's Doubt by Stephen Myers. This book, Darwin's Doubt, interesting title. I believe it suggests... Darwin's doubts about what he theorized himself. And that's what Darwin couldn't explain, was the sudden appearance of a major group of animals, which they hadn't covered even in their day at different sites. And the difficulty was Darwin understood that, that the mechanism of natural selection had to work very slowly and gradually. You see, Darwin's theory of natural selection acting on random variations he understood must act very slowly. And the confusing thing was, was the sudden appearance of this explosion of new organisms and life forms, an issue even for today. In those missing fossils just prior to the Cambrian explosion, there's not a sign of a pre-development phase, as it were, that led to this explosion of life that we can call Precambrian. And today it's even more complicated because of the new discoveries or finds in different shells the Burgess shell, and the one in southern China that Myers goes through and reviews and mentions. So the question is, he asks, where are these missing fossils that are in the Precambrian ancestral record? The big dilemma that stands today throughout the so-called experts try to wiggle, as it were, around the obvious and the evidence. Just why would they be doing that? Of all the books that we've covered, this author is probably right there at the top of my list. He gets his point across clearly and understandably, and I can relate to some of his experiences as well, as some of the other authors like Dembski and Jonathan Wells, and probably a few more, where they've had difficulties in their employment or even give difficulties in different periods of their careers. I had one as similar as well. I worked at an educational service unit. That's a unit that would design and write programs for school systems and also helped design the curriculum from grade schools up into high schools. And I was designing and writing a program on behavioral management. That's where the system would keep track of every student and their behavior from first grade up to seniors in high school. So I can say those in school, not only are their grades being recorded, students' behavior, behavioral activity, is also being tracked and recorded. Isn't that sweet? I was doing quite well there until they asked me my particular views on this type of a topic. I made it quick and short, but boy, did it show up like the next day. Realizing that, probably shouldn't have said what I said, and then the next month, I found a new position, which actually wasn't a bad thing because I found myself working on a project for international business machines. This project was located in Hursley, England, just outside of Winchester, on top of the hill. And down from the research center, just down a little bit, was a little pub called the Blue Dolphin. 
I believe today it's called the Dolphin House. This is where I met Jenny, and we worked together on this project for several years. And Cass later continued the work as Jenny's associate as my work was finished and I moved on. So it's quite interesting how things work out sometimes. Everyone has challenges, and you just can't be happy 100% of the time. But you just have to work through those and try to make them work out to your advantage, which this did. Maybe those who have just joined for the first time, they need to know who Stephen Myers really is. He received his Ph.D. in philosophy of science from the University of Cambridge. A former geologist and a college professor, he now directs Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture. He has had several opportunities and featured in many media appearances, appearing on national television and radio programs such as the Jim Lear NewsHour, NBC, ABC, CBS Night Shows, Nightline, and Fox News. Quite the background, I would say. Now, as you know, if you don't know already, he is a proponent of intelligent design, as many others are that we have briefly mentioned before. So inside the DNA molecule, what we have is literally information or instructions inscribed digitally in a way that provides the information that's necessary to build the important proteins and protein machines that keep all cells alive. Properties, discoveries within the cell that directly contradicts Darwinism, the status quo of natural selection. Having said that, and only touching on that quickly, that would be up to you to catch up on several details. There just isn't time to go over those again in this few minutes that we are given. Therefore, I would start out by saying there is no chaos that ID brings to the table. Scientists know now, down to and inside the cell, to the structures of DNA. Now, in my ancient science classes, the cell had a nucleus and the mitochondria, and all the rest was just a bunch of gel of some sort. But here, there is a tag, as it were, or an identification code, wherein you could actually be reconstructed. Darwinism, as it continues to morph along with groupthink, and as time is displays, it just displays chaos, and it continues with no end and no real answers, only speculation. Sky, if I may add, I would say this. Many still continue to follow those, even prior to Nicholas Copernicus, who formulated the revolutionary model of the universe that placed the sun, rather than Earth. At the center of the universe, therefore, what would make you think, that only taking so-called, experts' perspective, that Earth was the center of the Big Bang Theory as it's called? Or is it just part of the cosmos? As you know I'm not for the status quo, relying only on the past in these instances, I aspire to so much more. Those that bring forth discoveries, and challenges to those, old flat earthers, theories if you get my drift. What higher qualities do you aspire to, those of knowledge, compassion, something better than yourself, do any other known, lives, that aspire to any of these attributes, why not? Sure there are those that will sail, there are schools of fish, really, what known attributes do you know of that they aspire to, other than avoiding bigger fish? Darwinism drags down humankind to levels or attributes of the animal. Why would they do that? Do you believe, that way of thinking, would that take away the morality we have? Concluding, what they claim, tomorrow could, or never come suddenly. Sweet. What's the point, or is that the point, for those that are a law, 
unto themselves. There are natural processes, yes of course, both positive and negative, proponents of ID are not questioning, those process at all, however, it appears right now, that we are, experiencing some of those natural processes. And as politicians go, there are also many artificial, and unnatural processes happening as well, right? Again, I believe that's so true, Scott, that there is failure to communicate. They are setting up a rebuttal, before even taking a look at the evidence, and the logic dictates that what is referred to as specified, is specified information in the cell. Myers makes it pretty clear, just over a few of his previous topics, where he also mentions here in his book, Signature in the Cell. Information Revolution, Dembski in his last book that was mentioned, The Design Revolution, he also mentions clearly what specified complexity is, Sky, I enjoyed even Meyer's prologue, he makes an affirmative case for the theory of intelligent design, that this type of information is the result of an intelligence, or mind. The implications are staggering. Meyer's main argument concerns the inability of random mutation and selection, even to add to pre-existing DNA. Many of his critics cite an undirected process that can act on pre-existence information, rich information. He notes that time is showing that many evolutionary biologists realize, dragging their feet, that not even chemical evolution, that evolutionary theory, has offered an adequate explanation of the origin of life. Many now criticize the key tenets of the modern version of Darwinian theory. So what seems to be the flippin' problem here? Money, or is it something more? How about secularism, that is a belief system, right? It rejects religion, or the belief that religion should not be part of the affairs of the state, or even part of public education. What do you think Darwinist present, is that supposed to be, Anon? non-idea, what has that belief delivered for our society, what would be the case can you really make supporting that one? The fundamental problem confronting neo-Darwinism, not only with the chemical evolutionary theory, is the problem of the origin of new biological information, Myers, really hits a home run in this prologue, however neo-Darwinist seems to be elated on a universal acclaim, that this theory is a great unifying theory of biology. We have even shown that high school textbooks present Darwinism theories without any qualification and don't even acknowledge any existence of scientific or significant criticism, believing that there is no significant or credible scientific challenge as to the explanation for complexity, specified complexity, and the diversity of life on Earth. Meyer's book addresses the most significant doubt of Darwin. His book is divided into three main parts. One, the mystery of missing fossils, the Cambrian explosion, Cambrian animals, and its mystery to biologists and paleontologists, are so-called experts on the topic. Part 2, how to build an animal, the unguided mechanisms, that just don't work. Part 3, after Darwin now what, 
which has grown to become a fundamental problem for all evolutionary biologists, the problem of the origin of biological form and information, which leads you next into chapter one called Darwin's Nemesis. As he proceeded in his book to say and ask the question, quote, could it be that the origin of animal life was in its own way just as difficult a problem as that of the origin of life itself? Now, in previous books, as in this one, I've marked it up pretty good. I've written comments in, in the sides as my thoughts as I read through this. And looking at that question, it's obvious to me that it can't be answered scientifically. You can find the evidence of a designer or of an intelligent mind in the lab, but you can't find the designer or the intelligence behind it therein, period. So it's obvious to me what Darwinists are teaching is just the opposite of what ID is, only showing in evidence that they have found. They seem to have a real problem with evidence. I would think it's quite obvious that secularism, as Cass mentioned, is the deal for Darwinists. So, really, isn't Darwinism a religion in itself? Skype. As I read in Chapter 4, the title of this one is The Not Missing Fossils. And I was really shocked to read through this. I was totally unaware what was going on at the time, when Jonathan Wells and Myers were scheduled to give a film presentation to challenge Darwin's theory proposed by the Cambrian record. They actually had flipping militant off-campus thugs and those that threatened to disrupt the screening. So the Science Museum provided a disclaimer that they did not support unscientific views masquerading as science. Oh my heck, Jonathan Wells, a well-known biologist, is known for skepticism about Darwinian theory. Here again the evidence clear of those just trying to shut down the controversy and evidence, denying the truth. I can tell you anyone that has seen a lecture by Jonathan Wells, believe me, by no means, he is not an intimidating individual. And even up to this point in the book it's clear that many professional biologists and geologists are doing everything they can to explain away the Cambrian explosion. They try to lump, recategorize, relabel all the terms to fit their narrative. Myers explains this and goes over what he calls the artifact hypothesis. And I would bet that in private, many of those soothsayers would agree in what has been presented. But if you put them on record, they would just deny it. As for me, Sky, I know time is short. I would just like to add that, on the origin of species, the chapter on the mutual affinities of organic beings, it is pointed out that Darwin made his case, not on the basis of the fossil evidence, there again, assumptions and conjecture that would not fly today, anyway. Cheers. Well, I certainly appreciate your comments, and that's going to wrap this one up. I know time is short, and we'll probably be going over and reviewing a couple other chapters in this book in the next episode, but who knows. So, thanks a lot, and we hope to see you next time. See ya. Yeah.